0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I tell people all the time is that if people have trouble accepting your truth it's because they have trouble accepting truths about themselves that don't have anything to do with you hey
1: yeah hey hey Hey, loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business?
0: My name is Amara Jones. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, but I am a New Yorker. I live in Brooklyn, and my project uh, is Translash.
1: So you are Miss Media, essentially. You have all the credentials under the entire sun. Um... You've done work of uh, on MSNBC, CNBC, PBS, NPR, BBC. Like you get all of that in. You've had a couple of shows that were your own idea, your own creation. The last one was um, the SIP. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it what that was the last show, but the but the current. Um, the um, But my current media initiative is Translash, which is a cross-platform journalism and storytelling project with centers the stories and the lives and the information for trans people of color at a time of social backlash. And so we've done three um, sort of docu-shorts, um, and have three more planned and we do events and Facebook watch series. And so it's, um, a full fledged media effort in and of itself.
1: And this effort is all about humanizing the trans story. Um, Mm -hmm. everyone knows someone, but apparently from your research, it's like nine out of 10 people actually don't (laughs) know someone. And so it's, you're, you're taking on that. I guess, mantle to try and get people familiar with these other kind of people.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the most important thing is to humanize trans people and to underscore our humanity and our worth and worthiness. And so that's one of the things that we do, but this is also a project um, that is in terms of news and information storytelling, which is also directed at the trans community itself for us to be able to connect and to understand that we are worthy of um, being seen and worthy of being a part of the larger narrative. And so we have two specific goals, that is to say one that is community focused and one that is focused on the wider project. Um, And we do that by making sure that we center Trans, uh, specifically trans people of color, uh, uh, colors, voices, um, and needs. And we do that um, not only through video, but through social media, through events. Um, And we have a lot of exciting new things to announce that are going to roll out this year um, to be able to do that more because it's a big community, it's a growing community, it's a marginalized community. um, And so there's lots of stories to tell that need to be told.
1: And it's really gorgeous. The format, like I saw, um, specifically the video of you where Mm. it's called family matters and you go back,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, your mother passed away in 2011. Mm -hmm. She's from Albany, Georgia. So this video Mm -hmm. is showing you going back to her hometown and Mm -hmm. it hit me so hard because I've also lost my mother. Um, But it's so interesting because you transitioned after she passed away. And Uh my thought was, even in death, we want our mother's approval. Because Uh the whole point of you going back there was to say, would she love me? Would she accept me? Uh Uh These people that are here who were in her life at that time, what are their thoughts about who she was and how she would have been towards me? What was that like for you? There's not a ton of reaction from you. you. You focus more like on the family. So what was that like for you going back there? Um,
0: what was it like going back there? Um, yeah. I mean, it was powerful. It was really powerful. Um, you know, it's interesting. I didn't know what the answer was going to be. Um, I didn't know what the answers were which is usually when I approach all my storytelling, I approach it from a, from a point of curiosity. Like I really want to find out something and so then I document the finding out um, and I do that either through all the various ways that I, I know how to do that through um, video or through writing or through any, any medium that I can when that's appropriate. So I didn't really know um, what the answer was. And so it was a really powerful experience for me to go and to hear what people had to say um, and for it to be so incredibly open and loving. And as I say all of the time, you know, and this is one of the things about, um, about traveling. This is one of the things about taking voyages, which is that um, we, the, the, the capacity for people is so much greater than we ever give credit for. And one of the things that I say all the time about this is that it gave me a lot of hope because if a religious family in a small city in Southwest Georgia can be supportive of trans people and, trans, um, and their trans family members, that means that everybody can which ultimately means that transphobia and the resistance to trans people as individuals is actually a personal choice. It actually is not a function of, um, of any of the things that we country. would say it's a function of. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so consequently, I think that it was really hopeful.
1: I love the way that you're doing this because it's such a safe way to tell these stories, to share these stories. A lot of times as the other, we are tasked with putting our bodies literally on the line and explaining and explaining um, instead of existing, instead of just being humans. Um, But you are sitting with these really creative, really fabulous um, people and just seeing them light up, seeing them talk about how their existence has impacted, I don't know, like their view of life. Their relationships, all sorts of everything. Um, what what gives you the space in yourself to be able to provide such a platform for others to be so interested in others?
0: Hmm, that's a um, that's a really powerful um, query. Um, I think I have a deep and a. a um, abiding respect for everyone, I really do. Um, and I really believe that um, each of us is so much more than um, we give our cre- ourselves credit for and that we give credit to other people. And I think that if and as you have a deep and abiding respect for, for everyone, that then provides the space or invites people into themselves and into vulnerability and into the desire to relate. And so I think that that's probably what I have inside of me that I am able to transmit and what allows me to to transmit because I, I think that so many of the issues that we have as a world is because people don't have that respect for other people. I mean, real respect. I don't mean the the performance of respect. I mean, the actual honoring of the gifts and the voice of, of every single person. And I think that that's what I have. And that's what I bring.
1: And I, I suppose a lot of times that's because they don't have it for themselves. There's like no self-compassion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um and I, I totally agree with that. And also, you're not taught it, right? I mean, I also think that, like, that's something that, that I was taught by my parents, but you know, not everything that you're taught are lessons that you learned. So the lessons that you learned are also the things that you wanted to learn in a way. So I think that it's just a part of my personality, and my parents and my grandparents and my great grandparents all emphasize it, and I just picked it up. Um, and so that's one thing. And I think that you're right. I think that most people don't have that respect. Um, I think that most people, I mean, look, we live in a society that is based on selling you stuff. And the way that they do that is by convincing you that you're not enough. And that if you have fill in the blank, you will be a better person. And you can, and people try to fill that with a lot of different things. And so from the beginning, you're told that you're not enough and that you're not worthy and that you don't have intrinsic value. And that's why you need to do these things. And so we invite people to disconnect from themselves from the very beginning.
1: Mm, I love that. Yes, very perceptive. Also, um, from that Family Matters video that you did, um, you were talking to teenage cousins and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really cute they were like i wasn't shocked about the makeup i wasn't shocked about the yes. dresses i was shocked about your breasts
0: <laughs> yes surgery, surgery.
1: yeah <laughs> um so i saw a post mm-hmm. from your instagram where you mm-hmm shared what your father said about you transitioning. You said, I have known since you were five over the years, though I couldn't find the way to talk about it. All I can say is that you need to live your truth. Without truth, there is no life. So live your life by living your truth. Yes. But you also say in that family matters video that um, he's supportive, but your relationship as father-daughter is still in transition.
0: Yeah, and right now it's in the toilet. <laughs> um, um, it's yeah, no. I mean, I think um, I think a couple of things. I think um, you know, there's the ability to uh, know the truth and then to accept the truth. And I think that he knows the truth. I think his struggle isn't accepting it, and that's because on some level. Um, you know what I tell people all the time is that if people have trouble accepting your truth, it's because they have trouble accepting truths about themselves that don't have anything to do with you. So I think that my father is struggling because he just doesn't want to accept it for for whatever reason, for reasons that I can see and other reasons that I can't, but he knows it's the truth, which is why when he, he, he expressed that in a moment of relief. It was like he was unburdening himself with a secret that he had been carrying for a long time. And then once he had said it, he freaked out about it and has continued to be disturbed by his own revelation to himself. Um, but you know, just like they tell you when you take the SAT that your first answer is the actual answer. So that's the actual answer um and his ability to accept it or not is not really not really my responsibility it's his um but yeah no he's 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 struggling he's really struggling he's really struggling right now
1: so your transition happened in february of 2018
0: is that right yeah i mean yeah no it's yeah i mean it's really it's whenever
1: you there's so many. You when you start to identify.
0: Oh yeah. When well yeah no. It it's kind of well yeah. <laughs> it's I, so like, complicated because I mean, it, it doesn't no, really matter. <laughs> <laughs> no no no. It's not. I don't think that. I don't think that. It. I think that. Like so many things. Like so many process of of metamorphoses. It depends on when you draw the line. What you know. i Understand what I mean. So what I mean by that is so when did I change. My documents and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Twenty eighteen. When did the process begin? It probably began around twenty, around 2012, 2013, when I started to be more to embrace being gender nonconforming. Um, yeah, and a whole host of other things. So it was. It really depends on when you draw the line. But yes, I think that you can say February twenty eighteen. But it had actually started probably two years before 2016, when I was um, going through other changes and um, seeing a therapist and a whole bunch of other things. So the reason why I say that is because it depends on when you draw the line um, of when the change happens. Like, when did you, you know, it's weird. It's kind of like, when did you become a woman? Yeah, but it's
1: not, that's what I mean. It's like, it's, it's a moot point. Like, for what? Draw a line for what? <laughs> like you- Right,
0: right, right. But I mean, it's like, it's like, when did you, it's, it's, but it's, it's also true for cis women. It's like, well, when did you become a woman? Some people say that you become a woman when you menstruate, but most people don't believe uh. that. I mean, most, most girls don't feel that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you understand what I mean? It's a very, it's a, it's, it's, it's um it's. So the culmination of all the changes is was 2018. That's what I would declare, but when is the moving is 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 a longer tail.
1: Right. If that makes any sense. It does. I yeah, it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> to me. Um speaking of 2013, so it looked like your Instagram started up around that time. And like, first of all, your Instagram. Um love it so much. So,
0: wait, what do you love about it? <laughs> Have you ever seen the ingredients? Like, um, I mean, can those really classify as like sweet potato pies? It's a valid question. Yeah, no, listen, like Patty, La- okay, honest, all right, to be honest, excuse me, to be honest, Patty LaBelle can cook. Like, if you ever look at her show on the cooking channel, she can cook. Those pies, all I would say is she's better than those pies. Who, who's going to put high fructose corn syrup in a sweet potato pie? Again. It's a question. <laughs> Who? Yeah. And so, like, I She did? It? Why did she shave him? No, it's just lots of questions about a very specific product in a sweet potato pie. I don't know. I think, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't think so. I think. I don't know. I would, I, would I do a cookbook? Yeah or like a cooking series, probably. If I actually had to sell my food, I don't know if it would be as good. Because, because for me, you know, like it's literally an act of love, you know? And so, and I put a lot of energy in my food and so do chefs, but you have to be a certain type of person to be able to produce that quality consistently for everybody every day. And I don't think that that's me. I Like I know, for instance, when I don't feel that great, my food's not that There's a direct correlation to how I'm feeling and to what comes out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Going on the road for two weeks. Correct. Correct. That's exactly right. It's going to be fascinating. It's a lot, but I'm super grateful. It's like when you travel, right? Like, I'm super grateful every time I travel. Before I go on a trip, I get really stressed out. Of course, like everybody... Um, and I'm like, why? And then the money and then the this, you know, because that, la- that day before big trips is a mess. Um, and the day for me is always a mess. But when you're on the trip, you forget about everything. And it's always worth it. Well, it's one of the ways that I unwind. I love the beach. I love the beach. And um, I love water. Um, but it's not the only way. Like when I was in South Africa... I went on safari, um, and that was incredible. That was life-changing, and that was as far away from the beach as you could get, but it was incredible. Travel as a Black woman is awesome. <laughs> um, it's awesome because, um, I mean, this, this could be this a lot, but travel um, as a Black woman is really powerful for me because one of the things that spotlighted for me was how much gender is tied to race. And so outside of an American context and particularly in places where there are majority people of color in the world, um, I am not, I'm not misgendered. People are able to see me as a woman and keep it moving. And that then gave me some insights as to why black women feel in such contested space with trans women other black trans women sometimes because there's a feeling that the space for gender and for gender identity and to be seen as woman and who gets to be seen as woman is so narrow here but that's just a function of the society that we live in that's not the way it is in the world and so i actually wrote about this when i went back to salvador which i had used to go all the time visit all the time. I've lived there. Um, I speak Portuguese fluently. I was really nervous about going back. It was my first time back in six years. And it was incredible to be there as as a Black woman, because I was just seen as a Black woman. I wasn't misgendered, and I could go about my business. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why so many of us travel. I think it's the reason why so many of us travel to places where there are majority of people of color, like Black women going to Southeast Asia, like Black women going to Africa, like Black women going to South America, because there's actually outside of a U.S. racialized space, there's a lot of space for us. So travel as a Black woman is incredible, and I think it's super necessary. Yeah, yeah, Salvador Yeah, yep, exactly, exactly. I learned po- Portuguese both from studying it, so I studied it formally, and from visiting a lot, so it's both. On continents, yeah. I haven't been to, there are tons of places that I haven't been, but I've been, I think, close to 30 countries, so maybe, what's that, 25% of the world? Something like that? Correct. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing. I, I have to admit, I kinda had a head start and, and, and a cheat. So my dad's a pilot. So the idea of travel is like literally in just is how I grew up like I just grew up with planes and airports and people moving around and you know all that sort of stuff like just was never it was it, it's a part of my existence and then on my mother's side like my mom she um, taught school in Tanzania um, for Um, a couple of years. So, and that was always a big part of her experience. And then as she got older, she loved to travel. She's the ultimate, her thing was beach and cruises. I would never go on a cruise. That was her thing. So honestly, both my parents are travelers, right? Um, My dad traveled for work. And so as a kid, I used to get put on a plane all the time. It was no big deal for me to be put on a plane to go visit my relatives or that sort of thing probably my first plane ride was probably was five that I remember that I actually took by myself, you know? Um, but the kitty way where they meet you at the airport and they like take you to the plane sit next to you in the plane and then walk you out, all that stuff. But the kitty thing. So I grew up with travel. Um, my first international trip was that I took by myself. My first international trip was 16. I went as a group of people to Russia, like on an exchange program. I'm going abroad in a group. And then the first time like traveling by myself was in college. I think I was 19 or 20. And I went like I did the 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 Eurorail thing. So yeah, I've been traveling a long time <laughs> is I guess the whole thing since since I can remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, even before, right? Yeah, but even before, even before, I was always, like, feminine and femme-identified and a whole bunch of things. Um, so, yeah, no, it always, it's something that's always in the back of my mind. Like, I there's certain places in the world that I honestly think twice about going um, that I would, I'm like, no, not so much. I don't think I'll go there um, because of because of being, before femme gender non-conforming, and then um, as a trans woman. So, yes. So yes, um, I'm conscious of that. Um, but I think one, you ought to be conscious of that sort of thing, regardless. Um, and um, I just try to be smart. But the world is a big place. There are like a hundred and what forty some odd countries, or something like that so there's still lots of places for us to be able to go and to explore and be ourselves so i try to look at it more like that than out of a place of a fear mhm yeah really odd t- well i lived in brazil for a while um in salvador and then for a summer in college really it's super weird i lived in estonia which is like um which was a, once a part of the soviet union and is now uh, a small country that's across from Finland, it was um, an internship program, um, like a government public affairs internship program that I went for for that. So those are the two places where I have lived, lived. Yeah yeah, yes. 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 Um, and it's because what I tell people all the time, and this is for me, I think these are highly individual choices. And by the way, there are times when I haven't lived in the States, right? So let's just be clear. Like when I was in Brazil for a year, essentially, that was because it was too hectic for me here and I had to get out. Right. So I want to provide that as a backdrop. But right now it's very conscious to stay here because um As I tell people all the time, where are you gonna run to? Like the fight is here, right? The fight literally is here. And that if you believe in climate change, if you believe in human rights, if you you make a list, the fight actually literally is here. And why is that? It's because the United States has a disproportionate impact on what happens in other countries. So we see, for example, with this current administration that their, their um, anti-woman agenda is being um, supported and they're finding allies in other countries, even in Europe, for example. Whereas the United States used to be the country that supported, um, at least on the top level, supported and gave um, some assistance on the issues of human rights and all the rest of it, right now is actively working against those. So at the United Nations, for example, they've made the U.N. erase everything that um, has the words, um, uh, woman, um, choice, um, abortion, or LGBTQ. They're making them erase it. Um, And you scrub it from all official global documents. Well, what does that do? It sends a signal to people around the world that it's okay to do these things. And who else is gonna champion these? It's certainly not gonna be China. It's certainly not going to be all these other places. And so I really do believe that the fight is here. Um, There's no, if the United States becomes authoritarian and goes further down a dark path, it's really hard to see how there's hope and space for that around the world. Um, And so, I think for me and the way that I think of it is that the fight is here. And there's so many places where you can even see um, what happened in Ukraine, which isn't directly related to black travel, but where we had an administration that was encouraging regime that was trying to fight corruption to be corrupt. (laughs) Um, And so in all these places where our people are um, in Latin America, in the Caribbean, in Africa, if the United States is basically encouraging people to be corrupt, encouraging people to have a war against women, encouraging people to be anti-LGBTQ, where are we going to go? Yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. I think that, I think it's, I think you've already been able to see it like in Brazil. There's no way that like Jair Bolsonaro would be able to be as crazy in his war against, um, blackness in his war against indigenous people in his war against the environment without a green light from the united states that's a really direct i mean donald trump steve bannon was jair bolsonaro's excuse me senior advisor and that's a place where it has a direct impact where you can go and you can see what it means to have the administration that we have now, and how it encourages other people who are authoritarian. The same is true for the Philippines. The same is true in Hungary. The same is true in Poland. The same is true right the right the way around the world. It has an impact, and it's not having a good impact. And if we have four more years of that, um, it's hard to see how the people in places that are encouraging openness. Um, women's rights, gender equality are going to be able to um, see a way forward. Because the only country in the world that cared about and set up institutions to care about, like the UN Commission on Human Rights and all these other places, was the United States. If the United States abandons those things, those things suddenly become much, much harder. And they are. They're, They're harder around the world right now.
1: Were you always so politically inclined? Like you talked about um, your mother Mm -hmm. fighting for social changes back in her time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is that something?
0: And my my dad too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. Um, Yes. I mean, someone, I I was at a meeting. So someone asked me at at this event, um, this meeting, um, was I always, when was my political awakening? And I was, really struggling because I can't remember a time when it wasn't a part of my, again, like travel, like just a part of my background and maybe not even political, but because I don't know how political my parents were, but they both were really keen on social justice um, and issues of social justice and understanding how the fight for social justice um, intersected with our lives and our possibilities as black people. So. I think that that's always been there.
1: And so the line from social justice goes into politics because that's the system by which we are able to live the lives socially that we're able to live.
0: That's right. Those are the ways in which we're able to secure um, secure our rights is through the political process. In the United States, that's the way it's designed.
1: So right. that's why you spend so much of your attention um, is because it's important for you to be able to align with the political changes that are going to evolve for more freedom for trans people, for people of color, for Black people, for Black women.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, um, it's not, what I care about is policy. What is policy? It's the rules for how we're gonna live in society, right? And laws. So I care about politics because I ultimately care about policy, right? I kind of, if a political, if, if we had the right rules and stuff, I don't, I don't think I would care less about politics, but because we don't have the right rules in place for us to be able to have equal rights and for us to thrive, then I do care about the political process. So I don't care for politics just for politics sake. I care about it because it's a, it's a way for us to be able to get our rights and so even with, for example, with TransLash, I don't really talk a lot about politics. I talk about here are the rules that people are creating to make your life more difficult or the rules that people are creating to make your life less difficult. Like, I care about that. And there's absolutely no way that we're going to have um, equal rights um, as people without these, without these rules changes. And, you know... For me, all of the fights for social justice are deeply and intimately intertwined. Um, I don't think that I don't make a distinction. I make a a distinction in my nomenclature, but I don't really make it in terms of what I I call stuff. But I don't make a distinction in terms of um, identity between Black women and trans women. Because if you look at the challenges that... um, that trans women face and cis women face, they're pretty much the exact same. There's actually not a difference fundamentally. And that's because we're perceived as Black women, Black femmes um, in America. Um, and so that means that we have a lot of things in common. Um, you know, there's no way that Black people are gonna get free as a whole without centering Black women, for example. Like, we've tried it the opposite way, where, oh, let's center Black men and advance Black men and see if we can all get free. That doesn't work, right? We all either go together or no one goes. And I think it's really important for us to remember that.
1: So you talked about um, traveling to Brazil for self-care. Do you have self-care practices that help you while you're not traveling?
0: Yes. So someone asked me about this yesterday. It's a new one. That's been really good. So I do, there's a yoga class that I do um, on Saturday mornings. And then right after that, maybe an hour, I take a break. And right after that, I go to acupuncture. And it makes a huge difference. It's literally, it's a fire break in my week. Um, And it's a really powerful combination. And that's, been really really good for me really good so that's a self-care thing that i do um right now i want to go back to doing yoga twice a week but i do it right now once a week and then combining it with acupuncture and then what it ends up doing is that i don't end up scheduling my saturday so it creates like i create a little space for myself and then it creates more space so that's really really important for me
1: do you have anything and like-
0: I try to have unscheduled time.
1: Mhm. Unscheduled time helps you to Yeah,
0: you know how like when yeah, unscheduled time, you know like how when you travel, the best not the best, but among the most powerful experiences are the days when you decide, "Oh, I'm not going to go on this tour, I'm just going to walk around this city." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to like, "Oh, I just met these random people. I'm going to skip the thing that I'm supposed to do and I'm going to go like, to this village with them and it ends up being a really powerful thing. Yeah. And so, and so I think that, I think that unscheduled time is really important and we don't do that. We don't give ourselves that gift enough.
1: No, but a lot of times we like, we don't make the space for that, right? Because there's always something to do, (laughs) especially like big cities. Like you are often focused on how you're going to pay for the things that you got to pay for, which are expensive. So
0: (laughs) yeah, Well, yeah. And also the fact that like our lives are so crowded that out of, you know, if we do, mm, you know, you're working five days a week. um, Let's say, you know, you end up working 65 hours a week um, and then, you know, all of the stuff of getting ready for work and coming home from work and decompressing. You don't have the time to do the other stuff that makes your life actually work. And so the temptation for everybody is that the minute we get a free moment to fill it with that stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a cycle. It's what we, a lot of us grew up seeing. And so we don't, we have imagined a different way for ourselves. Yeah. Because it's hard to imagine when you're under pressure and under stress.
0: Um, 100%.
1: Yeah. Cause your mind is completely occupied and you just want to decompress versus, Oh, like, Hey, I feel refreshed and wow, I should do this or that, or try this or that. And maybe my life would be better.
0: (laughs) Yeah. One hundred percent.
1: Speaking of, um, you were talking a little bit about making your way around when you travel. How do you like to explore a place when, you tra- when you're When you traveling?
0: <clears throat> it's a combination of the, like I usually like to have some tent poles. So there'll be some days where I know I'm gonna have, like, so when I went to South Africa, I was like, there's certain days where I know I'm gonna be doing stuff, right? I know this day I'm going on a wine tour, This day I'm going on like a Marine tour, you know, this day I'm going on safari. So I like to have these, these things where I know that I'm structured. And then I like to have other days that are totally unstructured. So I try to combine it with their times when I know I'm going to be doing stuff that's certain it's locked in and there are other times when I'm not. So that's how I like to travel um, because it gives me a sense of structure and then also freedom. Um, And also because like sometimes there is some stuff where particularly I should give a shout out to Airbnb um, experiences where there's some really interesting things that you could do that you probably wouldn't end up doing by yourself or in that way. So I think that those are great. Um, Yeah. And I've had really good experiences with, with some of those.
1: Have you, let me ask you, what has helped you to move through the challenges that you faced
0: um, what helps me to move through because there are always challenges right. um, and I'm always moving through them um, what helps me to move through the challenges um, I think a couple of things I think one, to have a sense of purpose you know, about our lives we're not random, we're not here for random reasons so that's one thing um, that purpose is connected to a deep belief that I have about, um, that. And so you can call that faith, but faith can have so many different meanings and manifestations. Um, but I think it's purpose and it's belief for me. And then I think, you know, really relying on the knowledge and the experience and the wisdom of, um, our ancestors and the people that came before us, both um, things that they've given us in the past and the ways in which they continue to inform us every day. Um, one of the things that I thought the other day was <clears throat> I was like thinking about something, and I was like, you know, the absolute worst day that I've ever had in my life pales in comparison. And it's infinitely better than the best day that many of my ancestors had. And so it's that framework for me who's like, no, I can do this. This thing that's in front of me, I can do it. And I can do it because of the people who came before me who experienced things that I can't imagine and they still created joy and love and family and culture and art and literature and philosophy against all
1: the odds created everything so like i'm completely convinced that whatever was in the ugly ass history books <laughs> was falsified <laughs> To correct push the agenda forward. That correct. Less so. Like I'm. I'm correct. pretty sure we created everything. Um. And I love. Like. Yeah. I mean.
0: Or. Or like. Or like. It was like. It was. I. Uh, you know. Even it doesn't have to be falsified. It can just be erased. Which is one of the reasons why I'm so keen on visibility and creating a record of who we are and what we're doing and that we exist. Right. Um. Because we have to control our own stories and I think that the whole thing is that like it's not that we Created everything, but we created a lot and we continue to create a lot and We continue to create a lot even when we were divorced from you no know, um, the places that gave rise to so many things and it's an, we have just an incredible history, you know, we have such an incredible history and it's a powerful history and um, people have tried to erase us and we're still here and we're not going anywhere. And so a lot of the things that you learned, you didn't even, they didn't have to falsify, they just could erase yeah, one, one thing. That's one of the reasons why we have to go travel to the places where we come from. That's why we have to go there. We have to see it for our own eyes. We have to experience it. We have to be open to it. Because we as Black people, our experience in the United States is a very is a nanosecond in the history of us as a people on this planet. It's a nanosecond. And so to allow ourselves to be defined by this incredibly short period of time, historically speaking, right? Black people have been on the planet for 100,000 years. Right? 200, depending on when you draw a line, but easily 100,000 years as modern humans. 100,000 years we've been on this planet. Slavery lasted for 500 years. It's a nanosecond in terms of who we are. And so in order for us to reclaim that power, we have to go to the places where we're from.
1: But I think that there are really powerful ways we're claiming it now. Um, Because like in a sense, that's a little bit of erasure as well. It it,
0: it,
1: It may have been a nanosecond, but like they didn't create jazz in Africa. They didn't create hip hop in Africa.
0: No, but the whole thing is that, like, well, I think a couple of things. I think one, I don't, you, I, I don't erase the five hundred years. I'm saying that we shouldn't be defined only by the five hundred years.
1: But I don't think, I so don't mean, think we we're for defined. Me I think we defined the five hundred years. Because no, that, but I think that if you think about it, years, I think a lot of like I, America wouldn't. I think it is.
0: Like I, I, I completely I agree with that, but two other, <laughs> yeah, I think a couple, I think a couple, I think, I think, let me, let me just say two things. Mm-hmm. I think one, I think that most black people, a lot, there are too many black people that don't think that way. There are too many black people that are ashamed of being black because they're like, we were weak and we were enslaved because that's the indoctrination that people get. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of black people, um, don't love themselves. Because it's a part of the way that white supremacy works.
1: But also, so I, going, think, I think going that. Let me random kind of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let me, I, let, me just, let me just finish this, this point, because I think it's really important. I don't know if it'll make it in, but I think it's really important. But the second thing is um, so that's one thing. I think that we would have a lot less problems if people did view it like you did view it, because I do believe that that's the truth. I mean, who cares about America? There are powerful things that we created that changed the world, like, like jazz. And thirdly, I would say, and if you, and if we fully understand our history, jazz is African, hip hop is African. A lot of the things, most of the things that we have created culturally in the United States are African, they're just African in America. They're not divorced from our history. They're not divorced from our culture. They're not divorced from our ancestors and people that we don't know. They're actually those things.
1: I dig that completely. I I think it is a conversation of um, both and, right? So, Yes, yes. America. that
0: in and of itself, and that in and of itself, by the way, is the African concept. Both and is African. We don't live fundamentally as African people in the world. We don't live in but, binaries. But that's We live our our culture is about possibility.
1: There's but okay, so there's also the nuance of culture which is I think really important to the conversation because while there are similarities there are some things that have been divorced um like because what? it's, you know, how it is when you grow up in a place and to, without even knowing the nuance and the specifics of how and why, you know how to perform in that place. You know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable versus, like, going to what one could say are their roots. for us, Okay, for example, I think about Chinese people because I live in China, essentially. <laughs> I don't, but I do. So I think about these people who left China and it's not that many generations, maybe one or two generations who don't Mm -hmm. talk about China at all. They never think about China. They don't think about going back to China because they are Malaysian. They're Singaporean. They're Taiwanese. Yeah. And so I think that in that way, culture means something. So while there's a derivative, right? There's the original work <laughs> and then there's like a derivative where you can see influences from the original but it's not one in the same yeah
0: i guess so. i think we'd have to have a much larger conversation i think for overall culture doesn't stay the same so even if we had stayed in africa and never left that culture would have never stayed the same wouldn't but a it, lot of cultures
1: have haven't they they've retained a mm-hmm. lot i mean like in <laughs> some aspects they retained a lot of their mm-hmm is in tradition. No, I mean
0: but the I but mean, the practice isn't Not thing. necessarily. Like for instance the way like matriarchy has matriarchal systems have basically been done away with in Africa since colonialism. When before colonialism they're really strong. So I think that like the whole thing is that like the things weren't going to stay the same anyway. Nothing stays the same. There's no culture that's remained the same throughout its entire throughout the entire history of human beings. It's not the way that it works. There's always something new. There's always something that changes. That's also the way that nature works. There's always innovation. Yeah, and it may not be right. There's all, so that's one thing. Cultures never stay the same. Languages never stay the same. Nothing ever stays the same. It's all in motion.
1: Okay,
0: that's one. I think that's one thing. So, but it's still wouldn't
1: be. Do you, you know what I mean? It's just so, like, <laughs> but I,
0: but, I, but but just on on this last point about culture, I don't. I bel- I personally believe I personally believe this is my own feeling that our culture African culture in America is extremely powerful and is extremely resonant and is more than we know. So for example, you know how we think of the blues the blues the blues comes out of you know Mississippi and the experience of black people in Mississippi. Right? But blues actually comes from Mali. And there are, after with inter- with globalization, there are a lot of Malian um, musicians who, when they like came to the blues and heard the blues, they were like, "That's the blues." Um, like the guitar, as we understand it, the banjo, that's an African instrument. Like I think that i I personally believe that in the United States that Africans, the food that we eat, the way that we relate to each other, so many things are actually African. They're not they're not American. They don't have anything to do with America.
1: Well we know white people aren't that inventive. So um, <laughs> moving on, because we don't discuss those on the show. Um, how do you celebrate Amara?
0: Oh I live <laughs> literally I live. My living is a celebration. What I mean by that is that like I try to I work really hard on being myself and being the most of myself um, all the time and um, I try to create relationships with myself and the world around me. I try to build bridges between people. I try to travel. I try to, you know, all these things. I, I literally live and that's my celebration because Living for us, right? Um, I mean, really living, not just existing, but the ability to be able to live, that in and of itself is a radical act in this society.
1: You could say that twice. Do you have any song lyrics or a poem that speaks to you these days?
0: Hmm. Let me see what comes to me What comes to me. Saying song lyrics these days. Yeah, what just came to me when I asked that was um just keep going. You heard that that um that Harriet Tubman um sort of recitation, right? hmm Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes, I know what you're talking about.
0: Um so that was, yeah. So I think that it's 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 that. Um I don't know, that's weird that how it comes to me. There are tons of let me see if there are any song lyrics right now. I don't know, Wild Thoughts by by um <laughs> by by Rihanna. No, um, but you know, it's that <laughs> um yeah, no, wild thoughts. Anything by Rihanna, I love. Basically, it's that, you know, it's If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop, keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going.
1: So I will link that in the show notes. Um, There's just one last question. How can listeners support your work, please?
0: Ooh, so many ways. Okay, you can follow follow Translash on um, Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram. You can go to translash.org and you can subscribe to our newsletter. Those are big ways to support. You can also follow me across social media at Amara Jones. Super easy. Um, Those are all the ways that you can support in those ways and to share our work. I think that's really important. And lastly, if you want to donate, you can go to translash.org and donate as well all of the contributions that you give are tax deductible um, but i think that those are all the ways that that you can support
1: thank you so much. our awesome. newsletter is
0: good so sign up for our newsletter <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much i really appreciate your time i hope you have a gorgeous day amara
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day. Um, it is, it is, no, it's night there for you. So have a good night. I'm about to. (laughs) And, um, yeah. All right. All right. And I'll, um, I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Take good care of yourself. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you. (tries)
1: Da 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 Barum da